Money Radio, discussing the business of making and spending money. Good day, listeners. This is Leadership Podcast. This is the Money Show. I'm your host, Case Hammond. In the studio with me are Nse Antonio Ko and Isaac Aimori. My pleasure to be here, Case. You're all welcome. Thank you. The Money Show dwells on the general economy. And this morning we are discussing kickstarting the economy and we are specifically addressing the issue of agriculture. We want to look at production, distribution, the issue of insecurity, pricing, food inflation, and all of that. So, to start the show this morning, we would like to give uh, the floor to Isaac. Yes, it's uh, indeed my pleasure to be here once again. And um, I, I, I really would urge those that are managing our economy to step up their game because we are in for a very long ride. As if the impact of COVID-19 was not enough, we also were dealing with some local or call it homegrown problems, you know, like um, banditry, okay, which has um, sent a lot of farmers, okay, uh, from, from their farms. And um, what we have today, if you go to the commodity market, it's, you know, very high cost of, you know, food produce. A basket of tomatoes now that used to sell for about three thousand five. I was only told yesterday now sells for about seven thousand five hundred. You know, so I mean we are in for uh, a hard time, if you ask me. Virtually, the price of uh, almost everything on the market has doubled. Yeah. That's the fact. Yeah. What do you allude to that? Yeah, I think uh, that's technically like uh, he has mentioned the issue of um, security. Um, the farmers are not secure. They are not able to go to the farm as free as they were before. And that also um, couples with the issue of um, not being able to bring in enough. We are, we are not producing enough to feed our nation. And then um, the borders, there are restrictions on the items that can come in. Of course, it's good to protect um, our economy and help it to grow. However, um, in view of the fact that we are not having enough for us to consume locally, um, that has shut up the prices of um, most of those things. Well, I'm not sure you uh, you, you may say um, it has doubled, but um, I think... I, being a lady, I go to the market more often than you do. And um, some items have more than doubled. Um, the tomato you're talking about is um, at, this, at this rate, let's say it's even more than double, depending on where you go to. So, um, basically, that's that. Besides insecurity, what else do you allude that to America? Could it be because it's a seasonal product? Or the, some of the products we consume are seasonal. Take for example, tomatoes. Uh, yes, um, the seasonality plays a role. For instance, tomatoes. Um, this is not the season 
for it. However, there's been this um, uh, dry season farming that the CBN has introduced. And in the past years, we were able to have a lot of tomatoes almost on a year-round basis because there are the ones that are produced during uh, within their season and there's um, others that can still produce even when it is um, it's not the season for tomatoes. So uh, for the years before post-COVID, we actually had tomatoes on a, round, a year-round basis. So the scarcity was not as pronounced as it is now. So um, I, I would say that besides being seasonal um, produce, uh, you can talk about beans. We've never seen it this high before. We know there are seasons for it, but it's never been this high. And the list is just endless. Yes, yeah. The list is endless. Yes. Yeah. yes, I was coming to that. So you think it has nothing to do with storage also? Well, before, before COVID-19, we, we had all of this, we had a baggage you know, of issues in the agri you know, sector. Uh, distribution was a problem preservation was a problem and um, yeah you, you know uh, uh, you know uh, was a problem you know, uh, preservation was a problem you know as well I don't get it sorry okay <laughs> okay okay so distribution was a problem so and um, we have not been able to address that problem you know, because I did, um, I traveled to Benin uh, last week, and I came back by train. From uh, where to where? From Agbo to uh, Itakbe, very close to Lokoja. Well, that's great to hear. Yes. And that's by the way. Yes, yes. You know, so you needed to see the volume of goods, you know, that um, the, 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 the trains, you know, ferried right from, I think, Wari. You know, then of course they kept picking passengers along the way up to Itakbe. So we need more of that. We need to expand the railway system, you know, so that it can connect the hinterlands, connect, you know, the farming communities. But you know, uh, before now, we had market. had uh, roads that uh, all the, the goods had been transported uh, through the roads. Yes, the insecurity uh, also has its toll on road transportation in fact there are some roads as we speak that you dare not travel you know if you're doing Bini uh, to um, Lokoja for example between Auchi and Ekboma you know you have uh, kidnappers spots along that road yeah a friend of you mine know, was almost killed today Abuja Kaduna you still have some spots where kidnappers are just you know waiting you know, to pounce on, you know, Nigerians, you know, so we have all that across the country, you know, so that is also taking its toll on, 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 on distribution of agri-produce. So, does that mean there's no way out because of insecurity? Is there no way out? Uh, well, I'm, are a, we, I'm, are a, we, uh, uh, I'm an incurable uh, optimist. I, I believe in the Nigerian project. We, <laughs> <laughs> I believe in the Nigerian project. Are we project. sticking toward uh, uh, farming? Uh, yes, but um, that's why we have a government. That's why we have a government. That's why we have elected people, you know, to make decisions on our behalf. 
to solve problems. And chief of which, of course, is the provision of food, you know, for everybody. So going forward, I think it's time for the policymakers to come together, right, from the local government, state, and the federal, to come together and say, okay, how do we address this teaching Look, the, just youth unemployment is more than 40%. That means it's a cash-22 situation. It's a vicious cycle because if people are out of work and uh, that is contributing to insecurity, they don't get secure. or the, in, the security does not come just by telling people don't commit crime. People yeah. have to eat. Once they are not working, they will find some way to eat. Very true. Does that mean uh, we, 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 we we are in for a long haul? Is there no yeah, way to... Yeah, but I also want to take our minds back to uh, post-2007-2008 um, economic, global economic meltdown. Okay? Uh, <laughs> you know, managers of economies across the world did not go to sleep. They didn't give up, you know, on the situation. Okay? So I think this is also another time you know, for leaders to come together and, you know, face the, the issues, you, you know, eyeball, you know, to eyeball and proffer solutions to these problems. You know, for example, I read uh, recently about um, plans to hire rangers, you know, to protect farmers while in the farm. Okay. I think that is, that is, that is lofty, but um, it shouldn't just be a federal government thing. Uh, the, the local government, uh, the state governments should also buy into it. You know, because if you secure food production, then of course you'll be securing livelihoods. I think that's just a starting point. Even if you then secure production, what we about can also distribution? Borrow, yes, I mean the same insecurity. So we can also borrow a leaf from some of the things that world leaders did after the you know the global meltdown. People came up with all kinds of funds. Okay, there are central banks, you know, set up all kinds of funds. The fund for this, fund for that, to revitalize, you know, uh, key sectors of the economy. So I think we need that. We need a robust agri fund, a robust agri fund, you know, to support, you know, uh, food production. Yeah, but while um, not holding forth for the CBN, but I think um, the CBN has um, a a number of funds that are targeted at specific... um, sectors in in the agri value chain so um wouldn't you think that that would suffix just to uh, add something um many people are thinking that all of cbn's lofty policies are simply being negated by this insecurity issue because you pump money into the sector people go to produce or they can't produce and even when they produce they can't distribute their food because of insecurity that means the money you pump into that sector is not uh, having a uh, uh, impact on the wider economy people are continuing to well, suffer if you want us to call a spade a spade instead of calling the greek implement then we must go back to community policing there's so much talk about community policing and less action okay you know, we must secure our people right from, you know, the grassroots, right, right from the, you know, local councils. At whose cost? Growing up, as a matter of fact, growing up, um, our fathers used to take turns, okay, to watch over our communities for free. For free. For them, it was like community service. 
I remember our grandfather used to tell us then, uh, you know, when it was his turn, you know, to to stay at uh, to stay on the watchtower or you know by the gates leading to the community, you know, and all that, and watch people that are coming in. Okay, so because at the end of the day, you are also securing yourself. So if we formalize that by registering them, whether as vigilantes or you know local or whatever it is, give them arms, give them the right training, you know, fund them. Then of course we'll be able to take you know to, to take care of this insecurity that well you know that that, that is uh, a hydra-headed monster, you know that is uh, you know ravaging you know the you know the, the economy. That is what we need to do. I mean you know your village. I know my village. I know my the road to the stream. I know the road to the farm. You know I know if uh, you know the bandits are somewhere. We know, but we can't confront them with sticks, <laughs> you know, and stones. We cannot. So that is where we should you know uh, you know start from. Okay, we must, you know, decentralize the police system or the policing system so that, you know, we can actually, uh, you know, take care of, you know, farming, which is, of course, uh, you know, the, the major uh, occupation that we have in this country. What about uh, the civilian GTF? Is that not a version of what you're talking about? Uh, well... Uh, it is, but it has to be formalized. They have to be properly trained. They have to be equipped to deal with the kind of problem we're talking about. We're talking about terrorists. To call them bandits is to, you know, is to, is to, is to make less, you know, the situation or to make the situation look less serious. These are terrorists. That is the truth. All right, let's have a break. And we'll yeah. come back. We discuss another issue. Money Radio, discussing the business of making and spending money. You're welcome back to the Money Show. My guests are still here, Nse and Isaac. You're welcome back, listeners. So we move on to oil and gas. We want to look at rising price of crude, how it affects goods and services in the country, private refineries and the subsidy conundrum. What do you think, say about the rising price of crude? Is it going to benefit us or a cost for us? Well, rising price of crude actually should be a blessing to the country in that um, uh, be, the country will be able to earn more income to meet more, especially the capital um, aspect of the budget, which has been so much neglected in recent times. However, we are having issues with production. Before the OPEC Plus um, uh, came in to stipulated that Nigeria has to produce 1.6 million barrels, we were not even meeting our production quota. And the um, budget is predicated on a higher production um, quarter, which is uh, 2.03 barrels of crude per day. So we are, not even, we are not even there yet. There's a whole lot of um, deficit that is being financed. So in, in view of that, having the uh, price of oil increase would be very good for the country. However, the cost, what should be a blessing, is now turning out to a cost in that the NNPC said is not having any money to um, remit 
to the federal allocation because it is using everything we are earning to subsidize fuel consumption in the country. And this is something that could have been easily taken care of if we were producing, uh, we were refining the product locally. So, yes, very true, very true. She, she said it all. Um, what ought to be, what ought to have been um, an opportunity is. Um, is 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 isn't 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 it? You know, because the gains we make from higher crude oil prices, we will use to subsidize petrol. How did Nigerians. we get here? How did we get here? Look, um, I remember at a time, Business Day reported that sixty percent of Nigeria's crude was transported to the Ivory Coast, it will refine it there mm. and bring here. Mm. Ghana also is produced, they have their refineries that mm. are producing for local consumption. Mm. How did we go wrong that we have to depend on importation or wait for one man, Dangote, who we expect to be the economist savior? Mm. How did we get here? Failure of leadership. That is, that sums it up. Failure mm. of leadership. Because when we let's even take our minds back to our recent history, you know, when President Olusha Gumbasanjo was living and we sold the, uh, the refineries to some individuals in this country, we should have left it at that. We didn't have to reverse the sales of those refineries. Because between 2007 or so and now, if you know the amount of money the federal government has pumped into these refineries, that yeah. are that are rickety, that are not actually producing, you know, to uh, install, you know, capacity. We should just have unbundled those refineries at that point. Between then and now, would have been would have would have gotten over, you know, some of these issues, because you have refineries that are supposed to be refining products, they are not working, and you are patching them up with billions of dollars. And I ask why. So, yeah, corruption, yeah, of course, that explains it in part. But it's about, you know, weak, a poor leadership. Because if we attended to this problem, we saw it coming. We knew at the rate we were growing, the, the rate at which we were buying cars, you know, population growth and all that. We knew that someday if we didn't fix local production, then, you know, we'll be confronted with this problem someday. And here we are. Yeah. yeah. One thing that um, um, we, with this, there is still the issue of what do we actually consume as yeah. a nation? Very true. We are um, subsidizing. The, the government is subsidizing consumption of um, petrol. Yeah. And then the figures that come out look so way higher than um, what we ought to produce to consume, for instance, if you look a year um, some years back, I remember then Kachu, um, the former minister Ibe Kachiku said Nigeria was consuming 30, um, 38 uh, million um, liters a day. So and um, that's just less than um, between five six 
at the most seven years ago and 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 right now the the figure from the nnpc came up to 103 million barrels um liters a day so are, where, we, are we drinking the petrol we, where did we get how did we get to that <laughs> you understand so when you look at these figures it also calls to question yeah. the uh, subsidy environment the subsidy yeah. regime yeah. is there I, 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 the the lack of transparency within yeah. the subsidy yeah. regime is leading with is fraud leading to a whole yeah. lot of fraud that needs yeah. to be um, looked into and addressed yeah. or else we will still continue to um, uh, get high money from sales of crude and still use it to subsidize uh, local consumption you know, it, 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 it makes economic sense to remove subsidy, but it doesn't make humanitarian sense to remove subsidy right now. Inflation is high. People are sleeping hungry every night. Removing subsidy or taking the price of crude, sorry, the price of uh, a liter of uh, PMS to something in the neighborhood of 215 naira will increase the price of every other thing. We're talking about inflation already. Yeah. We may even degenerate into if not hyperinflation, semi-hyperinflation. Yeah. That may even spiral into revolt. Mm. So the government's hands are tied or there are less options. What do you think? Yeah, it's um, it's a real, is a a serious case for concern. Which or do I we just wait for Dangote Refinery since he's promising that it will come on board by January 2022? Yeah, is that our only hope? Uh, well, if I have to come at this point, I, I would. Um, leadership is about solving problem, and when you are faced with this kind of options, you take the tough decision tough decisions that you know because i've come to even think of it, what are we subsidizing all countries of the world most most countries of the world have one form of subsidy or the other yes okay i had the argument uh, over um, who should be subsidized is still you know by the corner okay are we subsidizing petrol which the big men also benefit from for more. example they benefit more aha so that question is still there unanswered so i think if you remove petrol subsidy and move that money into other sectors that will benefit, you know, the poor, uh, you know, the less privileged, you know, I, I think it will make more sense, you know, but the leaders have to come together and look at the options, okay, and say, okay, what should we subsidize? I think I think that is that is the question. You're talking you know. about removing the subsidy and putting it in other areas that will benefit the poor. Yeah. But you know, um, our peculiar problem in this country is that subsidy will be removed, and then the places it will be put into, mm. the hardship on the people will just be off the roof. Because um, where will they really put it that? Um, it will cut across everything that will the, the removal of subsidy will 
would um, the ripple effect it will yeah. cause it will well, bring on the yeah, I don't have I don't have all the answers I'm not the president <laughs> I'm not the governor however well, I, I, I think security of our lives now you is, know is, is, is even is, more is more important more important so if you take part of the subsidy even if not everything and use it to strengthen our security architecture I honestly do think that it will make more, more, more sense, more productive sense. The people who, who you know, are in the farm working, they know they are secure. Maybe there are drones flying over. There are armed men around, maybe rangers or policemen or uh, the military. You know, they are guaranteed a measure of security to their farm and back. You know, that, that, that for me will make more sense. Yeah, right. that will be costly, you know. That will be very costly because, of course, uh, um, of course. there are yeah. millions of farmers. How yeah. many security personnel are going to protect those millions of farmers? It's, we it's, are, it's, it's we also complain of about think, unemployment. Yes. <laughs> Your people yeah. employ Nigerians. Uh, if, if I may take as, as vigilance, yes, you mentioned that policeman. do we have to wait for one person? To produce, to bring up, um, uh, begin operations on the refinery. Yeah. But we have modular refineries, and we have some. Uh, we, I, I think, government needs to find a way of revamping local production, rather than subsidizing um, consumption of uh, petrol. Petrol. Yeah. I think. Uh, government can channel these resources into subsidizing crude that is given because right now the modular refineries are not producing petrol mm-hmm. because um, they cannot sell. At what price would they sell yeah. to the local um, economy? They can produce diesel. Diesel is not being um, is deregulated, yeah. so it can sell at uh, global prices even within here. So that's profi- profitable for them. Yeah. If um, government gives out crude to them at subsidized rate, I feel they will be able to produce and um, crude petrol can now be sold at. Uh, a reasonable, a more reasonable price without yeah, government, option, yeah, without government subsidizing it. Yeah, it's an option that can be explored. My, my fear is we are subsidizing petrol. The dry tanker drivers are exporting the product to neighboring countries to sell. What is the guarantee that if we subsidize crude that the modular refineries will not also okay, smuggle the product? To neighboring wow. countries. This is really, <laughs> is really a hydra-headed yes, scenario. After all, we are talking about the same human beings here. All right, okay. lady and gentlemen, we are out of time. Can we continue this tomorrow? Isaac, I would like to say thank you very much for being yeah, here. You're welcome always, Clegg. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. It our was listeners, a pleasure to be here. Our listeners, thank you very much also for being there. Uh, let's keep it date. Tomorrow we'll be here... Uh, We trust you will be here with us also. This program is brought to you by Leadership Podcast from the stable of Leadership Media Group. 